Welcome to the Communicate for Good podcast, where leaders on a mission to make the world a better place come to talk and learn about how communication, language, and words can help increase awareness, revenue, and impact with less stress and more joy. I'm your host, Erica Mills Barnhart, and I'm so excited you're here with me. Let's dive right in. So this episode is kind of special to me, I'm going to be honest. Way back when, back in the day, I I hosted something that I called Turn Up Tuesdays. And it was like, you could just come. And it was one Tuesday, I forget the third or fourth Tuesday, I forget what, of the month. And we hosted at a, actually a, a cafe that had wonderful chocolate. Um, sidebar, it, every month, this wonderful group of people will come, we would have a great conversation about what was up for them in terms of communication and marketing and mission. And for a variety of reasons, even before COVID, uh, but especially during COVID, you know, I kind of, I took a break from that. And then I was really missing the opportunity to just bring folks together who are facing common challenges around their marketing, their messaging and communication, interpersonal communication, right? The whole gamut bringing, because I get asked the same questions um, a lot of the time. And so I, I and, that, and I answer them, but I know that this, that these same questions are in a lot of people's minds. And so I decided last year that I wanted to like bring that back, that sense of we're all in this together. If you're doing communication, either as the executive director or the CEO or the communication manager or director or development director, whatevs your position or title may be, that there's this space for you to be like, oh my God, I'm not alone other people are facing this, right? And so that's why I launched the Ask Me Anything um, series, which will be a monthly gathering to do exactly what I was, you know, what I just shared, just have folks come together, be able to ask me um, questions, uh, get some answers, get some answers from other people who were showing up. And we held our first, the January Ask Me Anything uh, was on Thursday, January 19th. And it just, I'm not going to lie, it made my heart so happy. Um, Wonderful people showed up with fantastic questions. So I'm excited to share with you. This is the audio um, from our conversation with their permission. Um, I am sharing it. And I'm going to guess that there's some question here that that you have on your mind or heart. Like I said, we're going to be hosting these every month ongoing in perpetuity. So if you have a question and, and or you that you want answered and or you just want that sense of like being with others who may um, be facing similar challenges and opportunities to you, I would encourage you to join. They're free. Um, you do have to be a newsletter subscriber. So if you are not already on Claxon's um, newsletter list, head on over to claxon-communication.com backslash Newsletter, sign up. I know it's long. Um, it's also in the show notes. So if you don't remember, just go to the show notes. Get signed up for the e-newsletter. I'd love to see you uh, at a future Ask Me Anything. Uh, like I said, this one was was really, um, it made my heart happy for darn sure. And I'm excited to share it with you. So here you go. Without further ado, the January edition, the first edition of Claxton's Ask Me Anything. Okay. Welcome everybody to Claxon's first Ask Me Anything. 
Tamara, your hand went up first, so I'm going to start start with you. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Tamara Tregoning. I'm with Unity Care Northwest. We're a nonprofit health center in Whatcom County. And my question is more about protocols in terms of when my communications are primarily with donors. I'm a development officer with Unity Care North, Northwest. And uh, recently, I've had a couple of interesting opportunities to communicate with donors and then trying to figure out when to stop communicating. So it's like, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. So I'm talking about when you're emailing, when do you just leave it? When do you just leave it? And then in addition, we do a lot of like recorded video messages through Gratavid, which is a really, really great way to send a personalized message. And it's really, really hard to get those emails through and get people to open them. And I think it's because they think, oh, this is a generic video when really I've recorded it with a personal thank you and mentioning their gift and what it's going to go to. So I have sent like a resend, like, oh, just a reminder, special video message for you. But it's to thank them for their gift. So at what point is it like, lay off, I gave you a gift, I don't want to watch your thank you. So really, the question is around like, when when does thinking and communicating become pestering? And then what's the what's the kind of cutoff point for that? Great questions, Tamara. Um, let me ask a clarifying question or two. When someone becomes a donor, do you ask them about their communication preferences? Yes, if I can, if I can get in contact with them, which is an, an ongoing challenge, right? Phone, email. If an individual makes their donation online and provides an email address, then I'll start with that, presuming that they made their gift online, they provided an email address, they presumably feel comfortable communicating in that way. If a donor sends in a check, I'm going to communicate by a phone or mail in that way. Yeah. So is that because I, you assume that's their preference or because you don't have their email? Usually it's because I don't have their email in terms of, of with the check, but I do like to find out what their preference is. Yes. But I'll base, okay. I'll start with an assumption, right? If they used on online channel, I'll assume they're okay with that. If they didn't use an online channel, I'll assume they're not okay with that unless I'm told different from them. Thank you. The reason I'm asking is because um, sometimes people uh, like to engage on different channels at different points in the engagement cycle. Right. So when they're first getting to know you, that may be an online thing, you know, but once they've made the donation, even uh, the transaction channel that they prefer may be different than the grad. I'm going to call it a gratitude channel um, that is their preference. Right. So so that's why I was asking those questions. Um, did you call it a gratavid? OK, is this like a term term? And I've just never heard this before. Oh, I see Rachel Myers on here and she's familiar with this too. It's I mean, I love really, it. It's fantastic. You can record a video, you can personalize it, you can send a link to to show the person. Um, and it's it's super easy, okay. but it's hard to get people to click. It's hard to yeah. get the emails through. Sometimes it goes through a spam. Sometimes people just don't want to click the links. And it's really unfortunate because especially during the pandemic, it's been this really awesome way to really personalize and, and share. So, yeah. so just, just to up my personal knowledge level, Gratavid is like a platform or like a, okay. Okay. I thought it was like maybe, you know, like an emoji or something. And this was just a new term that I didn't know. Okay. I mean, I didn't know it, but it's a platform. Okay. I wonder, so getting video through is a, is a problem um, in general, because it ups the odds that it's going to end up in a spam folder, just like you said. So I wonder if you've ever played with the idea, Tamara, of sending just a, an email that says, I would love to send you a video um, expressing my gratitude. Are you open to that? 
like just having that pre thing, which will, that, that will more likely land in their inbox. And then, you know, that you're putting them on notice and, and you could say like, it's not generic. It really is for you. Right. So let them know. Um, have you ever done that? Like sort of sent like a permission email to send the gratitude. No, no, I haven't tried that. I haven't tried that. So that's a really good idea. Just to basically be like coming in hot, you know, it's 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 coming or it's on its way. Something like you know, obviously I wouldn't say it like that, but something. Yeah, I would say them. coming in hot for you. That's <laughs> no. no. Um, <laughs> yeah, Rachel, Rachel, might say. Sure, okay, Rachel. <laughs> I mean that it it is about brand personality. So yeah. uh, I tried that, Tamara. Yeah. So you think just saying, I'm going to be sending you a personalized video message and then keep that, that email really short, right? I would would actually, you could do it that way. I would phrase it as I would love to express our gratitude for you personally. And so if you're open to it, I'd love to send you a video. Mm -hmm. You're asking permission. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, just to be clear on why, I mean, in general, permission is a good thing to ask, but also, um, it like it triggers something in the subconscious mind. Um, it's, it will actually be pretty hard for them to not open that video if they have said yes, Mm -hmm. um, to this request. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. You'll get past the reticular activating system more easily. Um, and then on the like, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. (laughs) At some point you just, you know, come up with a phrase that is like, I can't wait, you know, to be back in touch with you, you know, X, Y, Z, whenever it's going to be. Um, it, this is a very Northwesty thing. Like, we're so nice. We're so nice. No, you, no, you. It's like the equivalent of getting to a four-way stop in the Northwest. I feel like, no, you go, no, you go, no, you go. And I'm like, dude, there's something called a right-of-way. Let's just, whoever got there first, you go first. And then there's right-of-way. If we have, but no, 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 you go. No, no, no. Oh, it's a very, oh, Mike is sharing that it's also very Minnesotan. Minnesotan, I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, you want to be nice. And because I know you are super nice, Tamara, like very, very, very nice. I, I, I think a way to sort of help you like stop the, the back and forth um, is like, depending on the person, they're also feeling like they can't stop the exchange, but it's actually asking time, you know, and time is, you know, one of our most precious resources. So I would come up with a phrase that makes it clear, like, we're done for now for this exchange. You know, one more time, I really want to thank you. We have some stuff coming up in, you know, March. I'll be back in touch then. You know, in the meantime, this would be a clutch phrase. In the meantime, you know, whatever you're going to say, Tamara, that feels authentic to you. But in the meantime, is a good, like, boop, we're kind of done for this exchange. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Having some specific phrases of like, and scene. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's a little tempting to like do little brackets to be like, and scene. I will not be thinking we are not. We're done with the email ping pong and the gratitude. Lori, who's joining us from Canada. Yes, also very Canadian. Although I feel Lori like it, like, like it, Canada, since I'm also from Canada, we share that in common. It's more West Coast Canada than East Coast Canada. Ditto for like, I feel my TO people are a little less like, no, you, no, you, no, you, no, you. They're like, "Mm." Toronto, TO. Okay, Megan. Hi, everybody. I'm Megan. I am a business attorney and strategy consultant here in Seattle. And many of the organizations I work with are um, nonprofit 
They all are mission-driven. Some are for-profit, some are not-for-profit. Most importantly, Erica, I am your former co-teacher at the University of Washington. (laughs) It is lovely to see you. And I actually have two questions for you. Maybe it's a two-parter. My first question is, I'm curious, what is your best advice around marketing as we head into 2023? Just what are you thinking of this year? Mm -hmm. And the second part of that specifically is, What's your guidance on how to budget for marketing this year? Mm, Okay. They're related, yet separate. So I'm going to take the first one first, because I've been giving this a lot of thought. Um, And my advice is (laughs) to do less, like really literally to do less. And this is for a few reasons. Like, you know, I would say some number of years ago, I won't index because it would be arbitrary, but when social media was gaining traction, like it was like as as each social media channel came on, we felt like we had to be on that. And so, you know, I'll talk to organizations and they're on like Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and they're not that big. And more importantly, so they don't have the like time to do that or the expertise probably. Um, maybe, maybe they do, but a lot don't. And so the amount of stress that this like, kind of FOMO feeling is causing is taking away energy and time. Um, And that's one heartbreaking, but it's also not strategic. It's not strategic. Um, And so, uh, and then on the receiving end, I would say it's not strategic for, for the reason that like, you need to know whoever, you know, where, where are the people, donors, whoever it may be, volunteers, where are they? And this has not changed, but it's like we sort of, um, and we know this from being consumers, like most of us have like a channel or, and and this isn't just social media. It's like, what about the print stuff or, you know, the emails? Um, we have preferences and they become clear over time. Um, doing a lot less will free up some time and energy. Also, you can do it better. This is the big piece. Like I want all organizations, you know, all my, this is the advice I'm giving to all my clients for sure. And then helping them through. So what, so what goes? Because it doesn't feel good. Like the, 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 the letting go feels, can feel scary. So I want to acknowledge that like, well, but what if we choose not to be on Facebook? And then, and then (laughs) it's like, are your people on Facebook? Are you getting engagement? If so, great. Uh, If not, don't, you know, don't play there, bless and release it. But the bless and release can feel scary. Um, and so, you know, I'm doing a lot of work in that regard about both the like strategically what makes sense to let go of, to do less. And then also the sort of um, emotional work around letting go. And as part of that process, by the way, I mean, I love boards of directors. I love boards of directors. I work with a lot of board members, but I will say um, I feel like some of this, like we should be on all the things, doing all the things comes from board members and there's a power dynamic. So it's, it can be tough for staff, depending on the culture of your organization, it can be tough to say no. Um, so there just a consideration is, are you going to get pushback for this approach from your board of directors? And this is why this is where the Claxon method can really serve you, right? Like what does success truly look like for us for 2023? I I like to go out 18 months because, you know, I feel like 12 months goes like that. But, you know, for the next 18 months, who, like, who are our most important people? Who do we absolutely need to connect with well in order to achieve that goal? And then how are we going to do it? 
And just getting in that habit of, you know, if somebody comes to you, whoever it is, with the new idea, being able to say, this is what success looks like. This is who we need to engage with. So I hear you on TikTok. I'm just going to stick with TikTok because like, it feels like Twitter 10 years ago is now the new TikTok kind of eight years ago where everybody was like jumping on with no or very little like rationale aside from like everyone was on there. I'm air quoting for those of you who uh, are listening and not watching. Um, so that's what I mean. Think like get rigorous about doing less and then get the, the support you need for making that transition. Yeah. Um, and then on the budgeting, this is a, this is a super tricky one, but it's related to doing less. So I would rather see, um, you invest in, uh, invest in your main, what I refer to as your content generation engine, um, and then your mechanisms, we'll come back to that in a second for, for folks who that's not, uh, who, that's new concept to um, invest more in the, in these fewer buckets. Um, and, and I would, so there's another piece that, um, that I'm hearing a lot about, which is people coming back to the idea of print. Um, like print, I feel like it's going to have a little bit of a, a renaissance, as it were, and that can feel the 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 spend on that. If you're only looking at something from a spend perspective, um, that's the wrong take. It's about the the return on investment, and so I can't say you should spend this much money because that would depend on the budget of the organization and the goals. What I will say is look at it from an ROI perspective as opposed to that's just money out the door because all money out the door is not created equal. It's not going to get you the returns. Um, in, in the same way. So that's why I say about budgeting, investment versus spend, ROI. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the questions, Megan. Lori. You were going to mention something about what a, what content generation you, mechanism means. Thank you for being my memory. <laughs> <laughs> um, Megan says bad lip reading is the answer to your on mute. Bad lip reading. And we could just say BLP or BLR or something, make it an acronym. Um, okay. So I actually am feeling very retro recently because this idea of a content generation engine is something I think, Megan, that I came up with when we were co-teaching 15 years ago, like, and then, and then things changed, but I'm going back to it because it really does. I was just working with a client um, two days ago and we did this. So it's the idea that you have um, a content generation engine. This is something where you invest a significant amount of resources in it. And then you slice and dice whatever that is and put it out on whatever channels, fewer rather than more, uh, channels that you're going to use. So as a, for instance, um, a, uh, a podcast, maybe a content generation engine, because there's a lot of content, a lot of energy goes into it and a lot of content is produced. Um, newsletters can be a content generation en engine, um, formerly known as annual reports, now mainly known as impact reports. Um, it can be a content generation engine. So it's, you know, think about um, anything where there, where it's a lot of content is generated. And then the engine part is taking the pieces and optimizing them for the channels um, that you are going to use. Depending on the size of your organization, I would say three channels is sort of the average. But if you end up with two, that's great. If you have 12, you're just, you're going to feel frustrated pretty much all the time. I would not recommend that. I would start with three. So content generation engine plus three channels. So um, let's say, let's stick with the impact report. 
because those take an enormous amount of effort, right? To create them and whatnot. And then it's interesting because so often I see like, so you create this beautiful thing comes out in, you know, April, May-ish, and we send it out. We're like, here's the thing, which is a massive missed opportunity because in general, you've like, hold in all these, um, you know, stories and you've taken the time to like do all these things. So instead, why not have that be your content generation engine from the get-go, create it with the intention that you are going to pull it apart lovingly, strategically, you're going to pull it apart. And your, uh, let's say your three mechanisms are I'm, gonna, I'm making this up on the spot as well. These are not recommendations, okay? It's just like this might be where you land. Um, maybe you are on Facebook still because you have a lot of Gen Xers and whatnot. Um, so you're on Facebook and you have an e-newsletter and you have a blog, okay? So those, you would you would pull them out and optimize them for those channels in slightly different ways. Um, but it can be the same story. And then the way you tell that story on Facebook is different than how you would tell it on the blog is different than in your e-news. So it's optimizing for the channels. The reason that I hear people resisting this approach is because they're like, well, but then people are hearing the same story over and over again. To which I say, if you have someone who comes back and is like, I've heard that story three times, this is what I refer to as a high class problem. And it's a high class problem because it means that somebody is actually so into what you're doing um, that they're really tracking. It's really rare. It's super rare. So actually, more likely what will happen is you'll have you up the odds somebody will in fact see the story. Um, because this gets back to this idea that we were talking about, Tamara, of, um, you know, transaction channels are different than engagement channels uh, are different uh, than gratitude channels. So. So that's the content generation engine and then the three. So you can think of it as that's the hub. And then there's three spokes and you're optimizing um, for each of those spokes. Thanks, Lori, for the reminder. Okay, okay now I'm ready. Question. My question. Um, so I have two as well. Um, one, we are a very small organization. And so um, we actually uh, have hired a company to do our um, uh, social media, uh, okay. and they mostly get the information off of our website and um, our uh, e-news, and so so they're doing exactly what you just mentioned. Um, but we're we're having a problem with the voice. Mm, I was wondering um, if that's where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah. the voice, uh, and and I have to look through them every day, every month, and I end up either rewriting or saying, could you please rewrite this completely and be more folksy or something like that? Um, uh, so uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know if you have any advice around that. The second question is, um, and, and you know, I, I've been following you for a while, so I probably know the answer to this, but maybe you can help. Um, one of the things we're really trying to do is uh, we're a theological school. We, we train adults. Um, uh, but in a very uh, in a engaged way. Uh -huh. And um, we think that there are people who would be interested in the kind of education we offer who are not necessarily wanting to be ministers, but we don't really know how to find out if there are any of those people around. Okay. Okay. 
Let's start with this issue of voice. Um, how long has the has this company been uh, working for you? Uh, about a year and a half, but the the person the person doing our work changed um, probably uh, six months ago, and she's better than the first person. <laughs> so. Okay, but it, but you're still having to give a lot of guidance, a lot of feedback. Yeah, yeah. So, does your organization have clearly articulated like uh, I refer to them as brand personality traits. So the uh, yeah. adjectives that describe the voice. No, I'm not sure about personality. We have a brand guideline document, but I'm not sure it mentions personality. Yeah. So the way that you get consistent voice is by saying, as an organization, here's you know here's how uh, we're gonna we're gonna show up. And this should I say show up? Not so. This is specific to voice in your question, but this should also inform like. Um, your choices about graphics or whatever, because it is the brand, whether or not um, it's the visual narrative or, or experiential gears of the brand. So those are the three brand gears. We mm -hmm. want to keep those in alignment. Um, so that's just context. So the way that you get to the brand personality is picking three adjectives. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, picking three adjectives. And so again, I'm going to make this up. So, but, but I want to sort of give a juxtaposition of it. Um, if you are approachable, forward thinking, and I'm trying to think of it, because you want them to be different. So approachable, forward thinking, um, and expert. Okay. So mm -hmm. you're approachable, but you're expert and you're forward thinking. That has a different feel than if you are erudite, um, formal, formal. Yeah. I mean, you see where I'm going, right? And these are like extremes, um, you know, erudite, formal and aloof. <laughs> you probably want to pick aloof because it's not super awesome <laughs> to be thought of as aloof, but you get my point. Um, and, and this shows up in word choice. Like it really gets down to a word choice. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to sidebar here just for a second. At some point in the relatively near future, we're going to be rolling out Claxon University again. Um, we've been brushing off all of the gajillion resources that we have and like upgrading them and everything. Um, and in there, there, there are resources specific to this process. Um, there's some, you know, like workbooks and worksheets, but it does. And the one I'm thinking of, Lori, for you is the organizational lexicon, okay. uh, which starts you off with here are the three, you know, the brand personality attributes, three adjectives. And then by type of word, verb, noun, adjective, what are what are our go-to verbs, nouns, and adjectives that align with that voice? Mm -hmm. When you have that, and let's let's see, in your space, so you teach the the do you call them theologians or people interested in theology? Or what do you well, say? What do you <laughs> say, Lori? Just call them students. <laughs> okay, so you have students. I think that this is actually related, I think, to your second question a little bit, possibly, because um, not everybody likes to be referred to as a student, especially if they're advanced advanced in years, like me. Um, there can be a little bit of like, I don't see myself in that word. Mm -hmm. So food for thought as you go forward. Um, but the, the, the organizational lexicon, you know, so you can make a choice between student and I'm trying to think of one that might be, you know, like leader, leader, <laughs> burgeoning theologian, or you know, yeah. something like they. Those are very different vibe. Mm -hmm. But you could give this to um, whoever is writing your your post. I will also say six months is kind of long enough that they should be nailing it. 
I I think so too. That that's why it's kind of frustrating. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, but you have to give them the guidelines. So you you use the word folksy, and maybe that's one of your three brand attributes is folksy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the other two? Um, and have you point blank said to them like, "I'm a little surprised that I'm having to give this level of feedback." Uh, well, I, I think we'll have to do that. It's probably but fine. You, you haven't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you need to do that, Lori. And and you can you don't need to be like, "I'm surprised it's taking you so long to get the vibe." You know, you don't have to be mean about it. Just like. Mm-hmm. From a business perspective, six months is plenty long enough um, mm-hmm. to be able to get that voice and to ghostwrite effectively for a client, especially if, if that is the business that they are in is writing for clients. Right. And the fact that you're a year and a half in with this company um, is a red flag for me. Okay. For you. Wait, what was your second? Oh, your second question was how do we figure out if these, uh, if other people would be interested? Yeah. Who to market to? Well, what does success look like for the organization? Okay, I'm going to give you homework, Lori. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Between now and the February AMA, I want you okay. to get clear on what success looks like for the organization for 2023. Okay. And then we can brainstorm who you can connect with that will help you achieve that goal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Great question. Because it, it'd be good, it'd be better if it wasn't just me saying what, what success looks for to you. So that's what yeah. I can consult. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're happy to brainstorm with you. Mike. Yeah, thanks, hey, everybody. Uh, Mike Scott. I'm the communications manager at Recovery Cafe Network in Seattle. Um, there are two recovery cafes in Seattle, but we now have a network that's supporting recovery cafes around the country. And I have a like I get the heart of the mission. I'm, this is kind of a pretty personal question, but hopefully it connects to some of what you all think about. And I've done a lot of writing and speaking and workshop leadership and editing, but I don't like social media. I never have been on it personally. I don't care about Google ads or, you know, I mean, the, it's the, I'm putting it sort of dramatically, but it's the the side of communications that I don't have experience in are things like, okay, do we need to do Google ads? Do we need to, how do I get behind the data and make sure things are effective? Sort of the analytical side um, or creating, you know, what is our, what are the personas we should be marketing to? We're, we're kind of a heart led organization. And so am, that's kind of how I operate. And I have natural skill as a communicator in some ways, but then this other technical side of communications isn't natural to me at all. And I don't have any training in it mm-hmm. or even sort of, you know, what should our strategies be? Um, so it's, it's sort of a, I could use some guidance in what to look to, how to figure out how to do my job best you know, is, is Google ads a good idea to put some money in, you know, we have the Google ads grants, I guess, but we've never had a community. Well, a communications plan wasn't given to me when I came and I, I don't know if we've really had one. Um, so Mike, how long have you been with the organization? Six months. Oh, you're brand new. Okay. So you walked in and there wasn't a communication plan. Um, no, not, not, not a formal plan, yeah, or okay. strategy, or 
but there was a communications manager before me. Um, so I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Lori. Is it clear what success looks like for the organization? And as an extension, how communication can support that? Well, we have, you know, we have these strategic goals of expanding the, the numbers of cafes every year. And particularly in underserved communities and communities of color. Mm -hmm. And so those are, you know, those would be some barometers of success. We we now have 57 cafes around the country. So and it can, you know, we we add about we added about 20 last year. So I mean, we're growing and that's successful, but there's also certain audiences maybe we want to be more yeah. sensitive to. So under expansion, there would be different types of sub goals, right, around fundraising and operations and various things. And communication can't help with all types of goals. Um, so is it clear what the sub goals are to support the goal of expansion? Not to me. Okay. So I would say that's a place to start because you can't do your best work, Mike, unless you're clear on that. And, and that allows you to, for the sub goals that you're supporting, figure out who are your target audiences. And because um, to, to be blunt, it doesn't matter if you like social media or Google ads or any of it, if that's mm -hmm. where you're going to connect with the people, you you maybe don't need to do it, but you would have to find somebody who, you know, a, a vendor or consultant or someone who does know about these things and can support you in implementing the goals. So, um this is the reason, like th this conversation, Mike, is one of the, I'll, I'll give a second reason, um, is one of the reasons I came up with the Claxon method and developed tools like the Claxon marketing tree and all, and all of that was because absent that clarity about what success looks like, you, you can't know who the target audience is. And then you're really left to be like, I don't know, Google ads or like maybe a print newsletter. You know, you're just kind of, it's a little bit arbitrary. And then you default into the things that you are comfortable doing. We all do this. I've done this. I do this all the time, by the way, um, still. So I have to hold myself accountable to it, um, to, to the method. Um, and I, you know, I slip just to be clear, <laughs> you know, I can be a little capricious. Like I feel like doing this today. Um, so that was reason number one is like, we're just going to default into what we prefer which might not be what the people that you need to connect with prefer, like where they are. Um, but first up, Mike, so this is your homework. It's the same as Lori. So we can have a little accountability next month or whenever you join us again around like getting clear for you, uh, what are the sub goals that communication is supporting over the next 18 months? What are the most important ones? Not the laundry list because everybody's going to be like, and then there's this and there's this and then there's 62 other things. Like really, what are the top three? Uh, and then who's the target audience for you? And then then you can figure out the hows. And again, we can brainstorm that. So the sub goals of supporting our expansion, let's yeah. say. Yeah, exactly. And how can communications do that? Yep. Mm -hmm. What role does communication? Because communication and marketing is a means to an end. Yeah. It's a means to an end. And the end is the, su the support of the mission and the purpose and the organizational goals. Always a means to an end. And I am doing Facebook and I am doing a little bit of Instagram and I'm, and we have an e-newsletter. And so we're doing yeah. those things. I can uh, hear the enthusiasm in your voice around that, Mike. <laughs> I know Facebook. Is like, oh. <laughs> Mike, also that's totally fair. Like you personally, yeah. 
may not want to be on social media at all. And that's your choice. So when you, when you started by saying this is maybe a personal question, it is, it is very personal. I mean, communication is personal. And so sometimes you end up in these moments where it's like, wow, I really don't want to do the thing. And you know, if it's like, for a bit, fine. But if that's really what has to happen in order for you to maintain your energy, um, you'll have to figure out another way to source it. If that is, in fact, I mean, also, I would take a look at the at your metrics, like how much engagement are you getting on Facebook? What are the email, you know, opens and clicks like what's really working um, so that you can cross reference it uh, to the goals and to the target audiences. So definitely yeah. some, some auditing, if you don't already do that would be helpful. Um, and just, you know, sometimes the expression like this is for now, not forever can be helpful in terms of like, I'm just doing the Facebook for now. It's fine. Cause it can feel like, for, like a forever thing. Right. Right. This is for now. It's not forever. Could just help you, um, stay in a place where you're not like being pulled down every time you have to do a Facebook post. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks Mike. It's great having you here. Rachel. Uh, hi, Erica. Uh, hello, everyone. Um, my name is Rachel Myers. I uh, work up in Bellingham, Washington. I have been in this field for 24 years, and I'm a newer consultant to working with organizations. So that's just context for who I am. So I have two questions that are battling, and I, I'm going to, but I think I'm going to go with my first one, um, which is <clears throat> kind of, this is a little bit more in the um, interpersonal communications or in tra personally. Um, what in your work, what key communication skills do you see most teams or organizations um, struggling with? Or, or what skills do you feel like are like, like most many, many teams need to like work on and strengthen? Like, how would you articulate um you know, that side of, of the communications world. Within teams or across teams or all of the above? Within, yeah, within, within organizations mainly. I mean, also, obviously that then spills out into the community. Yeah, well. it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, this is why, I mean, it's a little hard to say, like, here's a blanket statement. Well, it's not hard. Mm -hmm. I could say a blanket statement, which I'm actually about to do uh, <laughs> to a certain extent, but I just want to preface my blanket statement, I guess, with um, every organization is a little bit unique. Yeah. Right? And so when I get this question from, from clients, you know, I'm going to try to diagnose what's going on. Sure. I, and, and, and that really runs the gamut. Having said that, I am yet to meet an organization um, that doesn't benefit from doing a peer case communication self-assessment. Ooh, um, that fancy. What is that exactly? Well, <laughs> it is, um, it's a, it's not a new assessment. It's been around for quite a while. Mm -hmm. it, it came out of the, out of research in the cross-cultural communication space. Okay. Um, but pretty robust. And the reason I like it is because it is practical and actionable. And so what it does pretty quickly, um, it, so there's four different, it, it, Peter Case, the, the guy who created it, distilled um, communication styles down into four main primary communication styles. And okay. this is like how you orient, um, how you orient in terms of your interpersonal communications. Okay. So either, and we all have pieces of this. Sure. Right? So we all have pieces of this. So you can score, I think it's up to 15, you know, per category or something like that. Um, and then you find out how you orient. Okay. The four are 
Um, there are people who need to know the what. These are, he, he refers to it as action oriented. Okay. There are the who people. So they care about the people. And I'm going to tell you how this plays out in a second. There are the how people, the process people. And then mm-hmm. there are the why people, which is are the idea people. Tamara's grinning because she um, she and her team have taken this assessment. So if you want to chime in, Tamara, about your experience, um, I'd love to hear it. I'm sure others would too. Like, oh, somebody actually did it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our team is about four people, right, in our planning and development department. And we worked with Erica last year uh, doing consulting for, for a few months, uh, working on different topics each month. And we started with the uh, peers cast. And it was interesting because... It pretty much there was one of us in each category, mm-hmm. which was oh, really yeah. fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And uh, I am i didn't realize how much I lean towards process, even though that should make sense, especially <laughs> Rachel knows my obsession with Kanban. So I suppose it should have been clear to me. But it really did help understand like, oh, I'm coming at it from this angle and mm-hmm. our communications person's coming at it from here and our videographers come from. So it, it really was fascinating that we each really ended up in different categories. I mean, there's four categories. There was four of us. We yeah. couldn't have each been more different. So yeah. Did oh, you think so that was interesting? Yeah. Yeah. And what you want is a well-balanced team. So, right. so where I see a lot of kind of meltdowns or breakdowns uh, or staying in a silo, mm-hmm. you perpetuate staying in silos, by the way, um, uh, is when it's imbalanced, really yeah. imbalanced. So let me give you a specific example. Um, so when you come together in a meeting, people-oriented people, before they can like really settle in, they actually need to know how you're doing. They, they truly do. Yeah, I get that. Like, So they're going to ask about like, what'd you do this weekend? Hey, you know, Erica, you slipped and fell on ice. True fact. You know, about a month ago, you really knocked your head. Like, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. So for them, that question, like, how are you? Is it like, it, it has to happen. In order for them to truly sink into the conversation. Yep. Meanwhile, in the process-oriented camp, these people are like, "Oh my God, I don't." Can we just get on with it a little bit? Now, Tamara holds both. She's a people-oriented process person, so yes. Thank goodness. That's how she and I connect. (laughs) The number of times that you know I see the assessments and I can say, "Hey, so and so, do you get frustrated with the like like the chit chat because it's a waste of time?" They're like, "Yes." Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. And guess what? <laughs> That's fine. With the promise that we will quickly get to, yeah, you know, the, and action-oriented and process people have some um, similarities, some differences, but some similarities. Whereas action people also are like, oh my god, let's get up, move on. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can you, and then you can decide, Rachel. That the the practical part of it is, you can say, wow, we lean pretty people-oriented. At the beginning of every meeting, we're going to spend five minutes doing a check-in. You can give this check-in some structure even. Like, you mm-hmm. know, anyway, lots of lots of ideas on that if anybody's interested. Um, oh, my gosh. This allows your process people to be like, I'm just going to go to my happy place for five. <laughs> um, you know, bye, Lori. Thanks for joining. Um, right? But they know uh, if you don't name it, they're like, "What is this going to go on for the whole hour? Because, like, mm-hmm. I got to I got, I got some things we got to cover. Right. So, um, so it's, it's really practical and actionable in that way. I love that. That's great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Katie. Hello. I wanted to follow up on something you said earlier about checking kind of the return on investment, if you will, and letting maybe 
letting some channels go, mm-hmm. um, kind of perked my brain up a little bit, but, um, <laughs> do you have any suggestions say how to let a Facebook page go? Do you just take it down? Do you leave it up with a post? What does, what are some examples of what that can look like? Well, that would depend on forward compatibility, something I'm always attentive to. So is it that you are blessing and releasing, like you, like people just aren't, you're not getting any engagement on Facebook and you don't anticipate ever getting engagement? Um, if so, you know, you, you want to do it in a way where the anyone who is there isn't like, well, where'd they go? So, you know, leave breadcrumbs, you know, leave breadcrumbs for folks like, you know, we want to be, you know, deeply connected. We've noticed that most of our people engage on Instagram. I'm making this up, Katie, um, on Instagram. So we're going to invest our time and energy connecting with you over there, you know, have a series of posts, but let people know that the Facebook page is going to go away. Now, if it's kind of like, if it's a strategic decision where, where you're saying like, I'm just going to stick with Instagram and Facebook because it's simple. Um, we're not getting the return investment we want on Facebook, but that's because we're like two staff short. So it's more like a resource constrained issue, but you kind of are like, well, once we're fully staffed, in fact, we want, you know, our, our three spokes to be Instagram, Facebook, and newsletters. So is it for now, back to, back to this uh, language that I, that I was offering to Mike, is this a for now and it's sort of short term because of like capacity constraints, but you are going to bring it back or really are you blessing and releasing it pers- like permanently? So it depends a little bit on that, Katie. Um, but even with the like temporary, let folks know, let them know where to find you in the interim. Um, in both of these cases, uh, it's about managing expectations. And um, people don't like surprises. They don't like surprises. Um, oh, Katie, I don't know if you're tracking um, chat, but Tamara just offered something, which I'll read and then she could chime in. Um, she says, if it's helpful, Katie, we ended up sunsetting our Twitter account. That's right. And put a message saying, thanks for stopping by. While we are no longer using this channel, please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at our website. Awesome. So there's a specific example um, yeah, of how they handled it. Does that answer your question, Katie? Yeah, that's um, some great things to consider. Thanks. But the other thing, Katie, that I'll say, because people don't anticipate it, is the emotional process of blessing and releasing something. Um, for many there's going to be a grieving process and it doesn't matter if consciously and logically all of you are like, yeah, we should totally get off Facebook. That makes a ton of sense. Okay. This is about your subconscious mind. Uh, Much more about the subconscious mind being like, Oh my God, fear of missing out all these things that might pop up. So I actually really encourage if you, when you bless and release, um, create space for anything that may be coming up for people, right? And if it really is like, wow, we've invested, like I blessed and released my blog last year or the year before, it's all a blur. Um, at some point in the past two years, I decided not to blog anymore. And I had 13 years worth about of blog posts, maybe more. Um, I knew it was the right thing to do. It wasn't getting the traction. And I and now my content generation engine is the podcast. Um, it was hard. <laughs> I was sad. So I had to grieve that transition. 
Um, and in North America, we're not like big fans of grief. We try to be like, no, it's fine. We're moving on, you know. <laughs> Uh, turns out actually our, our central nervous systems and, and our brains and a lot of other parts of us haven't moved on. And so as sort of like woo-woo as it sounds and as much resistance as you may get, Katie, um, and you know your team, you know, I don't know your team or your organization, um, but I would just really invite, you know, a, a creating space in some way if you are going to bless and release. Um, Beth Cantor uh, had this beautiful, oh my gosh, what's it called? It's not the joyful, oh my gosh, joyful funeral. I think she called it the joyful funeral or something like that. And it's like, you know, you can, it doesn't need to be like heavy. Um, there can be some, some, some levity to it, but create space for the emotional um, piece of blessing and releasing things. Cause again, your conscious mind should be like, could be like great strategic decision. High five us. Um, meanwhile, your subconscious is like, but what? So they are always, in tandem, um, processing things. So we are almost at time. Fabulous questions. Fabulous questions. Any final questions, thoughts, or observations before we close out our first ever Ask Me Anything? Woohoo! Rachel, can I ask? Okay, the other question I was going to ask, it's really, it's kind of short, maybe. And that was about, um, when you think about, I know you've worked with so many different organizations, Erica, and I'm wondering if you have any uh, examples or um, recommendations that we could follow up and look at their stuff for organizations that have done a great job um, uh, marrying their brand personality and their values. It's, mm. You know, like really, I, I'm just working with um, a few different organizations right now, and I'm thinking, man, I. I see a connection, but I don't, I don't, I feel like it could be, um, yeah, I don't know, just stronger and better. And I'm just wondering if you have examples of folks who have done that really well. Um, share a bit about what it would look like to you, Rachel, because there, you know, basically brand personality is how are you going to embody, how are you going to live your values? Yeah, maybe that was my, more my question, I guess. Yeah. So, um, so, okay, let me just, I, I have a, a client that I'm working with and they're, they're, I have a couple actually who are working on their values. They're mm -hmm. sort of good, great. three or four <laughs> now that I think about it. Um, it, they're in kind of different ways, but anyway, they're, they're getting really clear about their values as an organization and they're, they're changing or they're changing or adjusting their values. And then, um, and then a couple of them are also working on some communications things that I'm not necessarily involved with, but I'm kind of thinking, wow, I don't know that those process. The, the dots haven't been connected yet to between those necessarily um, to sort of update the communications to reflect um, the values shifts. So I was just thinking like, hmm, that seems important, I guess. And I'm curious if there were. Have these organizations articulated their brand personality? Yes. And one, yes, but not since they haven't re-looked re at it since the values um, work because the, some of the values work is still a little bit in process. Mm -hmm. I would say once that's done, revisit the brand personality and see if it still resonates. Okay. For sure. Um, and, and the reason, like if you have a value of a client and they have a value of celebration, mm -hmm. 
which I love. It's the only client I've ever had in all. I love that. That's so fun. Celebration (laughs) is one of their values. So it's always stuck with me. You can imagine that there are many different ways to express celebration. Gratitude is similar. Uh um, You know, I've had several clients and organizations hold gratitude as a value, you know, like, but one organization's, you you know, that can look like, uh, you know, heart emojis, which may be fine. Like if you have a super like informal, young, casual vibe going on, cool, right? It's not for me to say. However, if your brand personality is more formal and you show up with like the kissy emoji, that's going to be super weird. Um, People are like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's about how you express the values mm-hmm. right? and you have, but you have to be clear on both because mm-hmm. other, otherwise the, the, the communication folks have nothing neutral yeah. and, you know, objective to use as a guide. So, and yeah. this goes back to what we were talking about, Mike, um, you're kind of left to like your own devices and to, to make what can feel like kind of arbitrary choices. So it doesn't feel good for anybody. Yeah. That's so helpful. I think you, you, yeah, the thing is they're not quite done in any of these yeah. cases. And that's, that's, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like a Tamara Tregoning wanting to like move forward and I need to pause. So that's good advice. Yeah. Um, and I'll also say like, sometimes it, like depending on the process for developing those identities, I refer to them as identity statements, mission, vision, values, and purpose with the brand personality. Um, this is going to sound super obvious, but I'm saying it because it's surprising to me how often um, you don't actually look at how, like how do all these things work together? Mm-hmm. And once you go, so usually I start with brand personality. I like bookend it. Okay. So we're going to start with brand personality, then create the rest of the identity statements and then come back to, so, so that we can factor that into the language yeah. as we develop them. Mm-hmm. And then there's sort of like a accountability check at the end yeah. with the brand personality, just mm-hmm. so that there's congruence between those things. Love it. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Delightful, delightful, delightful to have all of you here. Thank you for your beautiful questions. Um, I hope you you got something out of this and that I'll see you whenever whenever it serves you to show up. It doesn't have to be every month, uh, but I will will be here every month um, hosting these going forward. So thanks for being here. Erica, this was so helpful. You are really, really good at this like well, I'm really opinionated Rachel and I've been doing it for a long time so I appreciate that <laughs> I think I'll say bossy but no in a good way in an excellent way um that was really great yeah thank you yeah my pleasure I appreciate the compliment Rachel mm-hmm. all right bye bye, bye Tamara thanks Erica bye Rachel <laughs> bye Erica yeah <laughs> So that was awesome, uh, at least from my perspective, the questions that people asked, um, you know, you couldn't, I was trying to read some of the chat uh, was offered in chat, but just know that there was like a lot of things going on in the chat in addition to what you heard. If this sparked anything for you, um, please join us for future Ask Me Anything. They're going to be held on the third Thursday of every month from 10 to 11 Pacific time. I I really hope to see you in the future. In the meantime, do well, be good, do well, do good, be well, do good, be well. (laughs) And I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Communicate for Good podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would right here, right now, go rate and review the podcast. Your review will help even more purpose-driven leaders, teams, and organizations learn how to use words to change the world. To find more ways that communication can help you increase awareness, revenue, and impact, head on over to www.claxon.communicationnos.com.